Well, Miguel and Akaya, you have been receiving tons of marriage advice for the last several months, especially the last several weeks, not only from your parents, both of whom, both couples of whom have been married for about 30 years each. Praise be to God for that. A total of 60 years or so between the two of them of wisdom, of experience, of love, of maturity, of understanding. And they've been passing that on to you. Also, the couple who prepared you for marriage, they too have been married for 30 years. So you've been well prepared. And of course, many of your friends and cousins and, and other relatives have been giving you advice as well. So now I'm supposed to get up here and tell you something that you haven't heard yet. Tell you something new. Tell you something that's going to help you. How could I possibly fulfill that? How could I possibly give you something that will help you on top of everything that you've already heard? And not only that, but I've been a priest for about 49 hours. (laughs) So what do I know? Even to the extent that the priesthood and the marriage have a relationship analogously. What can I share from my experience that could possibly help you? Thankfully for me, I don't have to come up with that answer because the Lord has already provided it for us. When he was asked, what is the greatest commandment of the law? How did he answer that? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the best possible advice that I can give you. The Lord's own words, to love the Lord above all and to love your neighbor, not only every neighbor, every person you encounter, but most especially each other love each other as yourself. Now, I think that's really all I need to say. I could sit down right now, but that wouldn't really have have been worth your money. So I'm going to unpack that maybe just a little bit. I'm going to read from this book here, one of my favorite spiritual books called Sheltered Within Her Heart, Within Our Lady's Heart. I'm going to read quite a bit from it, and don't feel like you have to remember everything. I'm going to give you a copy of this book as my wedding present to you. But in this reflection here, shortly after a meditation on sin, the author continues and he says, The human person, now, after the fall, begins to live out of fear rather than out of desire. He or she sees life, vulnerable human relationships, and the commands of God no longer as a liberating gift, as a pure expression of love's generosity, but as an external and arbitrary burden, constricting the heart. Remember, God gives us his commandments for our freedom, but because of the fall, we receive them, we experience them as a restriction. One thing that one must now measure up and attain through one's own efforts to what was meant only to be a pure gift received, interiorized, and lived in joyful freedom. This gift of a relationship with God. God gives this to us freely, but because of the the fall, we think we have to measure up for it. We think we have to perfect ourselves so that we can be good enough to receive his love. 
This is precisely the opposite of how God intends it. Rather than living from love, within love, and ever deeper into love, the person now feels that it is necessary to live toward love, a love that is inaccessible and absent and can only be found at the end of a long and lonely journey. This, of course, is a lie. God's love is just as present to us as it has always been. It still envelops us entirely on all sides. It still penetrates every fiber of our being. But we have become close to its presence and turned in upon ourselves. The living relationship that was meant to be ours with God has been ruptured by sin, by false independence, by fear. Our hearts have collapsed in upon themselves, and we are tempted to clothe ourselves with whatever we can find to hide our nakedness. Since we are afraid to open ourselves to vulnerability, uncertain of whether or not authentic love will be there to receive and shelter us. Unsure whether the Lord will receive us as we are. Without this foundation, we think we have to measure up, to perfect ourselves, to receive his love. One way that we try to make up for this, that we try to perfect ourselves, one of these fig leaves, one of these ways that we try to clothe ourselves, is by having expectations. This is something I've learned in my journey of formation, of being in the seminary, of preparing to marry my bride, the Lord, and the church. In this preparation, I've learned that the more expectations I hold for my bride, the more frustrated I tend to become. One of my professors put it this way, expectations breed resentment. Because this is usually how it works for me. When I notice myself feeling bitter or resentful or frustrated, my immediate thought is to think about who is causing this? Which person can I blame for my frustration, for my disappointment, for my bitterness? Who is not doing what I need in order to feel the way that I want to. And once I, once I act out of this position, then I start trying to change them so that they can better serve me. It is not the other person who is leading to this frustration, to this resentment. It is my own expectation that is leading me to this place. Expectations breed resentment. And we have these expectations because we don't trust that the Father will provide what we need, will provide for us. And from what I've heard from other married couples, this can be true in marriages as well, especially young, young couples first getting married. Once the honeymoon phase starts to wear off a little bit, they start to realize that my bride is really beautiful, my groom is really beautiful in lots and lots of ways, but I'm going to break some news to you. Neither of you are perfect. Did you know that about each other? Did you know that about yourselves? I know that about myself, too. We're all in the same boat. So we don't need to hold each other up to be perfect, to fulfill what we need. 
We don't need to expect that of our, each other for ourselves. And we don't need to expect that of ourselves for each other. In other words, Miguel, if you think you're going to fulfill everything that Nakaya needs, you're really going to disappoint yourself and you're going to disappoint her. And Nakaya, if you think you're going to fulfill for Miguel everything that he needs, you're really going to disappoint yourself and disappoint him. So you can free yourselves of that burden today if you haven't already. Let that go here on this altar. Present that before the Lord. Your roles is not to be God for each other. Only God can be God for you. Your roles, your invitation, is to go to the Lord for what you need. Not to each other, but to the Lord. The more that you go to the Lord for what you need, the more you'll be able to serve each other and to receive each other's service and love freely. Does that sound good? I just came up with it. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> you sent me some readings for today, and you sent me a, a reflection on, um, on the readings. And in there, it says something about creating a healthy and happy home, and that is the priority of married couples. And of course, that's true. Your priority would be to create a healthy and happy home. The challenge, though, is that we don't know how to do that. And we go out and try, we try to figure it out. We try to create this healthy and, health and happy home for ourselves. Now, you, as I've mentioned, you have had wonderful examples growing up. Three decades each of your own experience with your own parents of a healthy and happy home. So you've learned a lot from them already. But this is no surprise to either. Your parents were imperfect either, so you didn't receive everything that Jesus received, for example, from Our Lady, from St. Joseph. So what, sometimes when this happens, newly ordained or newly married couples, as they start their families, they try to make up for what their parents didn't provide for them, whether consciously or unconsciously, provide for each other and, and for, especially for their children. So they try, to, they try to make up for the, the sins and the errors and the shortcomings of their parents. And they try to fix their lives and fix the lives of their children. And they now start living out of these vows of what can I do to be gods for my children, to provide for my children what my parents didn't provide for me. This too becomes a perpetuation of the same problem even out of a good intention of wanting to provide the absolute best for your children. This is bad news, because we all want to be the best parents that we can. But fortunately, there are good news as well. And the good news is this. The Lord wants to go into both of your hearts and heal your hearts. Restore you to glory. That is what the Lord wants to do. And he is the one who is going to do this. You are not the ones who are going to do this. The Lord will do this for you and in you. Your role is to be like Mary and say, yes, be done unto me according to thy word. To present yourselves before the Lord and be receptive to his gift to allow the Spirit to go into your hearts and to heal you and transform you from within.
And as you do this, you will become a channel of grace for each other, for your children, and for all with whom you come in contact. So you can relieve yourselves of the burden of parenting either. Also, both of being a good husband and wife to each other and of being good parents to your children. You can just let that go. You can say, I need to step out of the way so that the Lord can work in my hearts and in the hearts of those around me. I'm going to read just one more passage here from this book about how this happens. This is the the path that Christ has lived for us and now the path that Christ wants to live in us. Christ experiences with us and for us our own original experience, not not only in the heart of his divine life in the Trinity, but as an infant in his mother's arms. This is the mystery of Christianity, that God became man, fully human, born of a human mother, and was cradled in her arms. He has the same intuition of love as we do, and yet this is but the transposition of his eternal experience as the beloved Son of the Father into time, into a human mind and heart. In other words, when, human, when his human consciousness awakes to the mystery of love, which he first encounters in the loving face of Mary, he immediately recognizes it as the all-enveloping love of his heavenly Father. Further, as he awakens to self-consciousness, he knows who he is, the beloved son of such a loving father. Therefore, his being cradled in the arms of his mother is but an expression of his being cradled forever in the arms of his heavenly Father. Here, the image and the reality, human love and Trinitarian love, meet and intersect in the most profound way. Here, love himself is held in the arms of love, and mediating this encounter between love and love, between father and son, is a humble woman, the Blessed Virgin Mary. By coming to us in this awesome way, Jesus not only experiences our own humanity, our own life experience, but he does so precisely so that he can journey with us through everything. He becomes our friend and companion through every stage of our life and in every experience, those full of beauty and light and those full of sorrow and darkness. Further, he loves us in the place where we find ourselves in the place where he unites himself to us in the midst of our brokenness, our fear, our sin. So this is the invitation for you as you go forth, as you begin your married life together. Relieve yourselves of the burden of being good husband, a good husband and wife to each other, of being good parents to your children. Lay that right here on this altar as the holy sacrifice of the mass is offered and open yourselves fully to receive the love of God, to receive the healing grace of God. And as you do this, the Lord's own words will become true. Not only true as a restricting way, that's the enemy's lens, but as a liberating reality. There are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate.